Welcome to the Allie on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and every week I talk with inspiring people who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. And while running is the thing that brings us all together on these episodes, we cover more than what happens on the run. We learn the whys behind the runs, the decisions people have made to get where they are today, and how getting sweaty has factored in. And hey, I've got a bonus episode for you today, a little feel-good Friday, because we need those good vibes, that good energy right now, right? So today, I give to you the gift of Nell Rojas. Nell finished ninth at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials in February in Atlanta, and on this episode, she talks all about that race, which was only her third career marathon. She ran the Olympic A standard at her very first marathon and won her second marathon, the 2019 Grandma's Marathon, in 2.28. Not a bad start to her marathoning career. Nell lives and trains in Boulder, Colorado, and in addition to talking about where she's at now, we also talk about how she got there. She's got a really cool running story. The short version is that she grew up wanting to be a professional basketball player, then got into triathlon and obstacle course racing, which she immediately excelled at, and now she's all in on the marathon, and turns out she's pretty awesome at it. Again, bear with me on this one when it comes to the audio. If you listened to yesterday's episode with Laura Thweet, you know that I had a slight mishap with my microphone this week, which is that I tripped, I knocked it over, I fell on it, and I broke it. So my at-home recording studio is on the fritz temporarily, but we'll be back with A-plus acoustics as soon as Amazon Prime can get me my shiny new toys. With that, let's welcome Nell Rojas to the Alley on the Run show. Nell, I'm so excited to have you here today. I think that you have one of the most interesting and compelling stories of any professional distance runners right now. I'm excited to get into all of it today. So thank you for being here. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. All right. So we start nice and easy here on the show. We start off with a warm up. Warm everyone up. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do. All right. Um, my name is Nell Rojas, and I am from Boulder, Colorado. And I am a coach, a triathlon, strength, and running coach, and a runner. All right. So this is a tradition that I started with my family, where we sit down for dinner, and I make everyone go around the table and say, what made you happy today? So even though we're only like halfway into the day today, <laughs> I want that from you. Tell me what is making you happy today? Um, well, A, there's sun outside. So that's always good because it was snowing for the last couple days. And um, B, I had basically the first workout that I really felt good um, since the trial. So that is very happy. Makes me very happy. Both good things. I cannot believe that it snowed there yesterday. Oh, yeah. It was it was coming down. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw, um, I think Kara Goucher was posting pictures and videos on Instagram. And it was like six inches. Like, we're not talking light flurries. You got snow yesterday. Yeah, we got, we got snow. <laughs> oh, well, I hope it melts and goes away. I'm glad you're having a sunny day today. But since you mentioned having a, a good run today, let's talk about that. What has your recovery looked like since the trials? How are you feeling? And uh, what are you training for right now? Yeah. So, um, right. My recovery, my recovery was a little delayed. Um, 
I, as, as, as I don't know, who knows, as I know, um, I've only done three marathons. And so I'm still kind of learning how to recover and how much time I need to take off. And, and I made the same mistake I made after my second marathon after grandma's is I got back into um, basically strength work too fast. And I think my glutes were just like not ready. And I started doing some heavy kettlebell swings. Again, this is the second time I made this mistake. And so I think it kind of threw off um, my hips a little bit, but um, I'm working through it and it's even harder because I can't see practitioners, but I'm doing a lot of, you know, band work. And, and so it's been kind of a slow go back into it, but, um, but that's okay, obviously, because of everything that's been going on, everything's pushed back. So I'm finally starting to feel good and um, have good workouts and get back into my routine. So yeah. Did you have anything on your calendar for the rest of 2020 or how is this, how is everything that's going on affecting your job? Oh, um, I mean, obviously everyone who ran the trials got super lucky, um, that, that was like the last weekend that anything happened. And, you know, I just keep thinking back and it was like, oh my gosh, like, thank God that that did happen. Although who knows how much, you know, coronavirus was spread there, but, um, I had, I mean, I was going to run to try to run, to try to qualify for the 10 K trials, um, needed to work on speed work anyways, but obviously that didn't happen. I am planning on doing Boston now. Yay! Um, yeah, I'm so I'm I'm like that. That would be like my first like major marathon. So I would be really excited about that if if it happens. All right, so let's go back to the trials because it was the best weekend ever, and like you said, it was the last really good one that we all have mm-hmm. to look back on. So uh, you went out for a nice long run on February 29th, 26.2 miles, just you and the girls, as you said. Oh, man, it was just it was just the girls. <laughs> so tell me about that. Tell me about, like you said, this is only your third marathon going into it. Did you have any expectations both for yourself and for the day as a whole? Um, oh man, there were so many things going through my mind. Like, you know, coming from like having not, you know, running two marathons, not experienced, like some days you're like, maybe it was a fluke that I can even like run And then, you know, that I ran that fast, like maybe like something weird happened and like, it's just like, I just got lucky. And then other days you're like, I can do this. Like, I think like I am just as capable as anyone else to finish top three, but you know, it really helped me. A lot of people, I have a lot of like really awesome support here in Boulder and a lot of people were like, no, you know, you can make the team. And to me, you know, I was like, why are they saying that? Like, I I just don't like, are they just trying to be nice to me or like, and so a lot of mixed emotions going in and, um, you know, honestly, like, did I expect to make the team? No, but did I want to be top five? Yes. Um, that would be my primary goal, but I was, you know, happy with being ninth and, I read one of Dez's posts, I think like one or two days before that said, you know, it kind of gave a breakdown of 
how she started and she got into it. And, you know, her first race, she ran like 144 or sorry, 244 and kind of worked her way down. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm new at this. I don't need to make the Olympics this year. I don't need to run a super fast time. I just need to like learn, get experience and like keep getting better. So that really did help. Well, I think it's so cool that you had two marathons under your belt and that you're lining up right at the front of that line. You know, you got the A standard in your first ever marathon and have only gotten faster since then. When you were on the start line and you're looking around and there's Jordan and there's Des, people who have been doing this for a while. Like you said, Des has been running marathons for a while now. We all know and love Des so much. What was it like on the start line? Did you feel like the new kid? I mean, you're not new to running, of course, and to the sport, but what did it feel like for you being there with 450 fellow amazing runners? Yeah, I mean, for me, I just kind of like laugh and kind of be like, all right, this is actually where I am right now. Like, don't really know how I got here, but like, it's pretty awesome. And like, I'm just going to pretend like I know what I'm doing and like, um, I'm like totally comfortable here. (laughs) Well, your Instagram post after the race made me laugh so hard with your, Mm -hmm. your, uh, just you and the girls, but then hope I didn't, uh, hope I didn't step on Des's foot. Hope she doesn't hate me. (laughs) Hope I didn't step on Jordan's foot. Did you step on anyone's foot that day? I totally stepped on Dez's foot and Dez is like one of my like favorite runners. And so I was like, Oh my God. And like, actually I probably stepped on everyone's foot. I was like, I don't know. I was always tucked in. So I don't know if anyone else had this experience um, because believe it or not, like I'm not actually friends with any of those girls cause I'm so new to this and I haven't talked to them, but um, I was like, stepping on people like hat like my stride was like cut in half for at least the first 15 miles of the race and um I was like my elbows were everywhere and you know I am like a stronger girl and like so I like was actually like trying to like be very not push people around but I think I was (laughs) Well, if it's any consolation, if it makes you feel better, pretty much everyone that I've talked to since then said that it was just so packed for the first, at least the first mile, and then even a few after that, that I think everyone feels similarly that it felt more like a track race for for that whole first lap, probably. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, so it's not just you. Everyone was stepping on everyone. You're good. good. Um, all right, let's talk about how were you feeling at the start line? What's going through your head? Were you, Did you have a race plan or was it just stay up front for as long as you can? Um. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea and I was shocked at how slow it went out. Um, like, I think my first mile and I was just right in the lead pack was like, well, everyone was in the same pack, but was like 6'10". And I, you know, the first like, seriously, 14, 15 miles, I was like, this is going to be the easiest marathon I will ever have done. Um, And um, so going into it, I was like, you know, if someone like goes out like a madman, like I'm not going to go with them, I'm going to let them go. But I'm going to, like, try to hold on to the front pack and, you know, see where that takes me. But that, you know, championship races are kind of like races that you you have to 
go off of your instincts and you can't really like have a solid plan because it's a place finish that you're going for. So in a race like that, where it went out slowly, I mean, 610, which it's all relative, right? For you and for the front half of that pack, that is slow for them. How did that, do you think that that affected your race at all? Like, did it affect your stride? Do you think that it worked to your advantage because you had more left in the tank for the second half? How did it play out for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it did work to my advantage because I was able to just stick with the front pack and kind of just tell myself, like, stay up there, like stay with these girls as long as you can. You are not going to be the one to drop off of this pack. Um, And, but, you know, I don't know, like, it's true. Like, I don't know if it really did affect me more because there was more like acceleration and deceleration with that really close pack and like, not like a completely smooth stride because it was shortened. So I really couldn't tell you um my legs felt pretty good so I would say you know if I was like I think it helped me all right how were the crowds the fans the spectators oh yeah that was they were I mean they were amazing like there was like piercing screams the entire time and I mean, the first lap, because we were going so slow, I felt like I was just, like, in this, like, parade. And I was, like, waving and being like, hello, everyone. Yes, look at us. Hello. We will be racing at some point here coming up. Um, And, like, I was like, this is – it was just really – it was awesome and weird and fun. And it was great. All right, so that was the first lap. What about the second lap? Starts to heat up a little bit. You're not quite so packed in there. What did the second lap feel like? Um, I mean, to me, it felt like we were still jogging. Um, I mean, there were definitely, like, I kept trying to check my watch because I really didn't know how I could, I, my, like, gauge was so off because I was like, are we going slow? Are we going fast? I'm just trying to stay with this pack. And, you know, my watch, I wasn't sure my watch was on because of the buildings were like, just, you know, the GPS was a little off. So I was a little like thrown off by, by it. So was anyone talking about it in the front pack? Like, were were there any, was there any chatter maybe among teammates or that you overheard? Or was anyone talking saying like, hey, are we going to pick it up? Or what was the the vibe in the group? Yeah, no, everyone was very serious. There was no chatter. Um, The only thing that I heard was, I think this was like, yeah, mile 14, 15 is like, I was like running next to Des and all of a sudden like she yelled something and I was like, what? And I was like looking around and it was loud still because the crowd and I was like, did she just say something? And I was like, hmm, what? And then I like realized, I like looked back and I realized um, Jordan was off the back and I was like, oh, she just yelled that like Jordan was gone, you know? And I was like, okay. And like in my mind, I'm like, haha, this is funny. And I was like, all right, Jordan's gone, girls, let's go, you know, but, um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, but um, that's the 
only thing I think that was ever said. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about when some moves were made. We know that eventually Alephine broke off and Molly and Sally went with her. Laura Thweet went with her. Des stuck in. Tell me from your perspective, once moves started happening, what was that like? Yeah, so it was like classically at mile 20 um, where they went. I immediately hit a wall where my whole like just like totally depleted of glycogen. And so I could not go. And it was that classic feeling of like feeling great to like in like a split second being like, oh, I have nothing. And I had never experienced that in my last two marathons because my fueling went so well and this time um I made a couple like big errors and I think it just caught up to me so they went and you know I was like at that point I was like okay I can't go but I just have to keep um moving forward so yeah so when you say that you made some major fueling errors what does that mean um I, so my past two marathons, I had eaten, like, um, I had been made fun of, actually, because I basically ate the entire time. Like, I had, like, a bottle in my hand all the time, and, like, I had goose in my hand, and I was just, like, I just, like, kept eating and eating and eating. Like, I took in so many calories, but it worked for me, and this time, I, I kind of, um, didn't like the like something happened and I didn't it didn't jive well with me my nutrition and so I skipped a couple um gels and I didn't drink a couple of my bottles which is a huge (laughs) no-no um learned that lesson so that's good uh so that's basically what happened I think it's worth noting too that in your last marathon before Atlanta that maybe you were snacking the whole time and maybe whoever out there thinks it's cool to make fun of that, uh, you won it. So I think whoever's joking around about that, uh, <laughs> let's see them win grandma's marathon. Right. Well, or any actually, marathon. But, um, but yeah, actually who, 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 the girl who said it was like, uh, she was broadcasting it. And then afterwards she was like, well, you know, you know so amazing all right so you had said I think on Instagram you said if you had to pick one experience from which you learned the most lessons in your life in your career it would be this race and the training leading up to it I'd love to learn what are some of those lessons oh well first of all that everyone is human you know and even these girls that you know I this was the highest caliber race I've ever run um, against, you know, the best women in the U.S. and the world. And, you know, in my mind, and I'm sure in a lot of people's minds, like these are like not real humans. They're like perfect and impossible to catch and run with. But, you know, obviously the three that, you know, were, probably supposed to make the team didn't make the team for one reason or another. So I learned that lesson. I also learned that you have to believe in yourself. Um, And you can say it a million times, but, you know, before this, like I didn't actually believe that I could run with these girls. 
And now I, I absolutely know that I can run with these girls and I know that I can be competitive. Um, and they're all beatable, even though they're all amazing. And I'm not trying to like say that they're all not amazing. I think they are. And then, you know, specifically about marathons is that the, the number one limiting factor in marathons is glycogen depletion. So that is either coming from going out too fast or coming from not putting in enough fuel. And so, you know, I came in and I was like, yeah, whatever, my fuel plan's okay. Like I'll just get them down and I'll be fine, you know, but I didn't go in being like, I am a hundred percent confident with this plan. I know it works and I love it and I am excited to execute it. So, um, that's the other thing. So that confidence that you talk about of realizing that you can run with these women, that you can beat these women, that you are, that you belong, you're part of that group. Is that something that happened? Was that a shift that happened during or after the race? Or was that something that you had accepted and prepared for before so that you showed up on the start line with that mindset? It was, it was during and after the race. Um, it would have been nearly impossible to come into the start line with that attitude without having raced at that caliber or raced any of those girls because you really just you don't know and you don't get it um so you have to do it so you know during the race I was like am I really still up here and then after the race I was like my first instinct was I was really excited to be ninth and then as like the days passed, I was like, wait a second, like I made a big error and I know I can run with those girls. Like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not disappointed with my race, but I shouldn't be like thrilled with it. I should know that I can run with those girls. And, and so I, yeah, so it was, it was definitely during and after. So what about now? Six weeks removed from the race. How do you feel about it now? I feel like I wish I had one race at that caliber against, you know, some of those girls before under my belt so that I, I would have had a different attitude coming in, but I'm very grateful for that race because I mean, I learned so much and I can only get better and I'm excited for the next trials and the next, you know, I'm excited for Boston. And so I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Good. Well, you should be. You ran an amazing race. And again, you were part of an incredibly stacked field and you finished ninth. I think that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Looking back at the weekend as a whole, tell us some of your memories or takeaways from your time in Atlanta. What stands out most, either from the race, from the weekend, from the celebrations? What are your big Atlanta memories as we can reminisce about the best weekend ever? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I had like around 60 people to fly in to cheer me on, um, which was like, you know, incredible. I had my family, my friends, you know, and we had a we had a party afterwards. And um, so it was like it was like amazing to have them there and and I had a lot of people say to me like I'm so inspired and I was like really you know and like 
you know, if I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I, I know I inspire people, but like when like people that really mean something to me, tell me that I inspire them, I'm like, really? Like, whoa, that's awesome. Um, so that was really important to me and just being part of it. Um, it was, yeah, I, I would say just the race in general. I mean, that was, the crowds were insane. So, yeah. So I'm sorry, did you say you had 60 people, six zero or 16? Uh, 60, six zero. <laughs> wow, I don't even think I know 60 people. <laughs> well, I didn't either, <laughs> well, but, but you do. <laughs> well, and that is a testament to the inspiration that you have and to your amazing energy and you're your just the coolest. So yeah. let's go back in time. I think that it's easy to say that you're pretty much born into running. Your dad is, of course, Rick Rojas, a hell of a runner turned coach. And I love that you do that together now. So I think it's easy to think that, yeah, running was your destiny, right? It's probably what you always wanted. But becoming a professional runner was not your first big sports dream. Am I right that you wanted to be a pro basketball player? Yes, that is true. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the hoop dreams you wanted to be a basketball player. When did you decide I'm not going to pursue basketball? Maybe I will try some non-ball sports. Yeah, well, so growing up, like, yeah, I was an athlete, like, soccer, basketball, running, whatever. Um, basically, I just, like, I like to work hard and I like to, like, move around, Um and I, I have been, so I'm five, five, I'm almost five, six, and I've been five, six since I was like five. <laughs> and I matured like super early. And so everyone was like, oh yeah, you're going to be in the WNBA. And I was like, yeah, I am. You know, even though like my parents are like, you know, relatively short slash normal size. And, um, and so slowly I like, so I played a big post and slowly I got like shorter and shorter and my friends got taller and taller and I just got worse and worse at basketball. And, um, so, uh, let's see, I did play all through high school, but basically freshman year of high school is when I was way more passionate about running and kind of realized that I was better at it and, uh, liked it more. And how much of a hand did your dad have in that? Was he always encouraging you to run or did he kind of let you decide where your fast feet were going to take you? Um, I mean, always very encouraging, right? He's always believed in me. Um, but, you know, like he, he just wants me to be happy. I had two older brothers who are also, one of them is like very a talented runner, could be, you know, very good, but didn't go that route. My dad didn't care. Um, my other brother went, you know, he's like very academic and, and so we all went very different ways. And so he would always help me if I wanted it. Um, and he's very proud of me and very excited that I did go this route, but not, um, not, he never pressured me. All right, so you've had an interesting road to becoming a professional marathoner, obstacle course racing, triathlon, trained for an Ironman. Let's talk about what was the appeal there of both the obstacle course racing and wanting to do all three disciplines. Yeah, so 
out of college, I was a triathlete. And so I was, I competed a couple of years as a professional triathlete and then, you know, was kind of miserable, didn't have any money, was overtrained, blah, blah, blah. And so um, I stopped doing that. And, but while, you know, it was happening, I started coaching triathletes and coaching runners and strength training. So I've, I've always been coaching triathletes. Um, and so I just started running again. And because I'm a fairly stronger runner or look fairly stronger, uh, I think would be <laughs> the thing. Um, I get, a, I got and get a lot of people telling me like, oh, you'd be really good at obstacle course racing. And I'm like, yeah, really? You think so? And then... I ended up having some, my best friends were all obstacle course racers and my best friend, Nicole Miracle, who's like the best obstacle course racer basically in the world, um, kept going to races and coming back with like thousands of dollars. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I need, okay, I'll do that. So I tried <laughs> it. Yeah. I tried it and I came back with thousands of dollars and I was like, this is great. I'm going to do this. And so I did that for a bit, but that is like actually right when I started, I did my first marathon and I ran, what did I run? 231, 30 or something. And I was like, you know, running's always been my passion. And so I feel like I did well enough at that, that I didn't have to do the triathlon or the obstacle course racing anymore. And um, so I'm thankful for that. <laughs> so how did that fit in running your first marathon while you were doing all of that? Where did the desire to run a marathon come from? Um, yeah, so I was going to do an Ironman. Um, I was training for an Ironman or preparing to train for an Ironman. So I wanted to get a marathon under my belt and that's just what happened. <laughs> just I'll go run a marathon today. I'll go yeah. run the Olympic A standard today. No big deal. Well, I had no idea. Like, I was just kind of doing the same kind of workouts, threw a couple long runs in there. And I didn't really even know what the standard was. I wasn't even entered. It was, it was actually U.S marathon championships and I wasn't even entered in the championship for some reason <laughs> and then I finished seventh and they were like who are you and I was like yeah I don't know um and then like and then they're like oh my god you ran 231 and I was like oh my god is that a good thing or what you know so it was kind of like I just kind of fell upon it and my dad coach he told me uh, going into it he was like just he was like, just jog it now. He was like, look, you can do more marathons. Just get a feel for it. Jog it, like finish strong and we'll go from there. And um, so, you know, I started, I started fairly easy and like um, got lucky and got into like an awesome group that I ran with the whole time. And, um, and that's kind of just where it took me. So did you just jog it? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't just jog it, but but I I worked I worked into it pretty well. Like I negative split pretty good. 
All right. So was your dad happy with your race or disappointed that you didn't follow the plan? (laughs) I think he was happy and like surprised. (laughs) Um, Um, All right. So one of the things that your dad is known for is winning the Boulder Boulder 10K, which is, of course, such a famous race. And it's kind of your hometown race. You won the race several decades after your dad won it. What's that like? Yeah, so the Boulder Boulder, for anyone from Boulder, runner or not runner, is, like, huge, right? It's, like, basically the Olympics for Boulder. And so I've always, like, my dream growing up, my biggest dream, you know, I thought it was the Olympics. So my biggest dream was to win the Boulder Boulder. And I didn't really... I've had a pretty good running career. Like I ran in college and I made it to nationals one time and, you know, but like I never, I was like, "Eh, I don't know if that's really going to happen, but you know, I, I had been running well. So I was like, I think this is the year, like I have to go for it. And it turned out that I won it. And, you know, I'd visualized this like billions of times during my life. And so it was, it was, super special and something that like I will never take for granted it was great all right I want to talk about winning grandma's marathon because that's pretty cool to go from like we said your first marathon which was on a bit of a whim to then go on and win your second so let's talk about grandma's was winning the plan that day Um, no, winning was not the plan that day. Um, (laughs) I mean, so Boulder Boulder was a couple weeks before that. And people again were like, I think you can win it. And I was like, okay, why are you saying that? That's crazy. But it just like unraveled again. Like I knew what I could run. I knew I could run 540 pace get granted everything, you know, went normally. Um, and so I started out with the pack and just like kind of was taking off the five forties, taking off the five forties. Um, and then all of a sudden I looked back and there was the pack had gone and I was like, well, (laughs) what do I do now? I was like, either I can like wait for them or I can just keep going. Um, so I, you know, I had a really good day that day and I felt strong. And so winning that was, was interesting because, you know, that was the first kind of win that, well, I guess the Boulder Boulder, but the Boulder Boulder was, I won the citizens race and not the elite race. Um, so So, yeah, it was, it was pretty special. All right. You seem very chill in your approach to both running and racing. Very like, yeah, I'll just go with it. I'm cool. Like I'm laid back. Is that accurate or is that more of just your personality? (laughs) Um, I think that, I mean, that's, that's fairly accurate. Obviously, I mean, I get, I get pretty nervous, But I think the more I go on and the more I race, the more I realize that like they're all just these data points that you need to get to figure out where you are and to learn things to take the next race and to, you know, get better. And so I kind of took the pressure off of me. And maybe it's because now I'm against these really elite runners that I'm like, I don't 
I'm not going to put pressure on me to beat them. Like I'm going to go out and do my best, but like, that's all you can do, you know? All right. So what are you like as a coach then? How would your athletes describe you? Um, as a coach, that's a good question. You know, I think it, I think they know that I think it's very important that they enjoy the process of this because, you know, the athletes that I'm coaching are not relying on this for money or anything. So I stress the importance of like, look, you have to be healthy. You have to love doing it. You don't have to love every day, but you have to like, you know, enjoy the process and, um, you have to be consistent, get out there consistently. I think, you know, one of the best things about me as a coach is that I'm very approachable and that they can like relate to me because I'm like a very real person. All right. So let's talk about what's next. I know we talked about Boston earlier, but knowing that that's not until September. And of course our fingers are crossed that it is in September and that we're going to be on an upswing very soon. What will your running and training look like between now and then? Yeah. So now I'm doing a lot of speed work. Um, you know, it comes, it, it, apparently I'm like a very like true marathoner where I don't get that much faster when the distances go shorter. So I think it's going to help me a lot to just improve that speed work, get my 10 K down, have marathon down, um, to eventually help my marathon. Um, so, you know, instead of races, like I like to race, um, but we'll do some time trials, some short stuff, some five K time trials, uh, two mile, one mile time trials. So, yeah. All right. So when you're not running or coaching, what are you up to? Any, any non-running hobbies, interests, Netflix obsessions, what is, <laughs> what else is good in your life right now? Um, well, I had the brilliant idea to get a puppy before the trials. So that was, um, Yay. a stupid idea, but, <laughs> um, I love her. And so I spend a lot of time with her right now, especially training her and, um, trying to spoil her. <laughs> um, and she's a sweetheart. She's also a rescue. I saw you had a rescue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The best kind. Yes. She, I mean, she's amazing. Um, her name's Babs. And well, right now I'm on the last chapter of the last book of Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, that's so. a good quarantine activity yeah that has consumed me for the last um I mean that was kind of like a trials like thing so I could just like relax like before the trials so um you know I do a lot of reading I read a lot of books about running and strength training <laughs> all right give us the backstory on Babs a little bit she has the cutest puppy eye she has like the brown spot around her eye yeah you joke that it was a stupid idea. I obviously think it's the best idea ever, but I can also relate to the, oh, shit, I just got a puppy. What am I doing? Um, when did you say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to rescue a puppy today? And um, what made you do it? Um, so I go on the Humane Society website, or I used to, like, daily, just because, like, 
I don't know. I, I, I was like, I didn't think I was like actually going to get a dog or serious about it, but like, I would always like look at the dogs and be like, Oh my gosh. And, and then Babs popped up uh, one day and she looks like my best friend's dog, Nicole Miracle's dog. And I love her dog. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I need this dog. We need matching dogs. And so I was like, I'm just going to go look at her, which of course is not the smartest idea. Um, and I went with a couple friends and my friend was like, yeah, you should get her. <laughs> That's a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should get her. Yeah. And then you should train her and then you should be up all night with her and you should be the one dealing with her peeing on all your stuff. It's right. a good idea. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I should probably get her. <laughs> and uh, then well, like, so cute. she's, yeah, she's very cute. And then I went through like three months of like, trying to get rid of her <laughs> not really I've always really loved her and and she's the best but like I went through that like panicky stage where I was like oh my god oh my god I'm not sleeping like I don't think I can do this but um we got through that oh I love <laughs> it all right before we do our sprint to the finish I want to talk about your relationship with Des Linden because as the story goes you beat her at Falmouth and then asked for her autograph. Can we talk about that? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've always liked Des and I copied her warm up at Falmouth <laughs> kind of as a joke and kind of because I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to follow whatever she does. And then, um, you know, I ended up beating her, but like, who cares? Um, so I asked for autograph and she was like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, yeah, well, whatever. And then, and then she messaged me on Instagram and then I challenged her to, cause now we're one in one. Um, cause she beat me at the trials and I beat her at Falmouth. So I challenged her to another race and that's the extent of our relationship. <laughs> So we don't yet know what that race will be. Well, Boston. No, we do. Yeah. I don't yeah. think she knows I'm doing it yet. So I'll probably uh, message her on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Or Des, if you're listening, Nell's coming for you. Yeah, man. That's. <laughs> I mean, I've got one goal in that race and that is to beat her. <laughs> She's got a target on her back. We'll put it that way. Amazing. All right. And the last thing that I want to know, I know I said that was the last thing, but I lied. I would love if you could give some advice to everyone listening. And I know that you've shared about this before. I want to talk a bit about body image and being told you don't look like a runner. I know so many of us have been told that you don't look like a marathoner. You don't look like whatever. People have this idea of what they think a runner needs to look like. What do you say to anyone who might be going through or feeling something similar, whether it's an insecurity, whether they've been told that, what voice can you be for them to say, hey, tell those people to shut it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, like, use it as your fuel and use it to your advantage to say, look, I'm going to prove to you that I can do whatever I want to do and I'm going to do it my way and I'm not going to do it the classic way or the way that everyone thinks that it has to be done and, and do it your way. Cause it, that's the only way you have to do it anyways. I love it. All right. Should we do a little sprint to the finish action here? Let's do it. 
What would your last meal on earth be? Oh, pizza. Favorite movie? Oh, <laughs> classically, I'll just say love and basketball from the nine, my 90s days. Oh, can I sing it for you? Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Oh, the best oh, movie. <laughs> That's all I hear in my head when you say that. I love it. Uh, favorite TV show? Oh, <laughs> I don't really watch too much TV, but I would say I, I don't really have one. Sorry. No, that's a good answer. I respect it. I have too many and it's embarrassing. So you win. Yeah. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm from the Titanic era. (laughs) Loved him. Still love him. Uh, Where did you have your first real kiss? Oh, um, (laughs) that was in uh, at like summer camp in Massachusetts. Ooh, exotic. I love yeah, that. That's scandalous. It was great. Did you get to come home and like tell all your friends that you had your first kiss while at camp? <laughs> um, I was like with my best friend and I don't, I don't think I would know. I don't think I told people. <laughs> Just me then. Cool. cool I would cool. be too embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. You're, the, oh, you're actually, this is the first time I've talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go for a run with anyone, who would it be? Oh, um, a run. I go for a run with, um, I just, well, can he be dead? Sure. I go for a run with Jack Kerouac, ask him some questions. Great choice. We'd probably talk a little. We'd probably walk a little. (laughs) All right. You're about to win the race of your dreams. What song do you want playing as you break the tape? Uh, God, uh, probably that one from Love and Basketball. Oh, love that! Did you want me to come sing it, or do you want the yeah. original version? I'd like you to sing it. Okay, perfect. Me and Maxwell will do <laughs> it. All right. So you break the tape. Love and Basketball is you're being serenaded. You can pick anyone to come out and drape the country's flag over your shoulders. Who gets the honor? Oh, anyone? Oh, my dad. Oh, I love that. He'd be so proud. Crying. <laughs> All right. You decide to host a running podcast of your own, Nell on the Run, or whatever you'd like to call it. Who would be your dream interview? Oh, um, running podcast. Um, I probably want Roger Bannister, probably. Ooh, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's say in a perfect world, this quarantine is lifted. You can go live anywhere for a year. Where would you want to live? Oh, anywhere? Yeah. Well, I'm really into running. And so I'm trying to get trying to get to Flagstaff. And I'm pretty satisfied with like having like the running, like like pretty intense, like running life so i think that's one of the best places in the world to train i think we could make that happen for you (laughs) i hope so man (laughs) all right if you could only race one distance one event for the rest of your life what would it be um the marathon good choice what's your favorite ice cream flavor um chocolate chip cookie dough in one word how does running make you feel um happy 
What is your all-time favorite piece of running gear? The I was actually thinking about this this morning, but I would say the original 4% Vaporflies. What was your first AOL or AIM screen name? MJBball1 at Hotmail.com. Nice. I like the B-ball <laughs> is in there. Do you still have it? Um, no. Oh, people can send you fan mail. <laughs> but someone sent, like, one of my best friend's moms sent us, like, a, a group email the other day, and, and I didn't get it because it was to that email. <laughs> my friends were like, what? I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Oh, I love it. If you could take a class in anything, what would it be? Um, Spanish. Tell me three things that you love about yourself. Oh, <laughs> I love that I'm a hard worker, that I'm kind to others, and that I am taking this opportunity to be a role model for other people. I love it. The last thing I need from you is to give everyone listening a reason to run today. Well, you'll be much happier if you do. So true. Now, I have loved getting to know you better. I am absolutely confident that we're going to keep seeing such great things and fast times from you. So congratulations on an awesome race in Atlanta. Here's to Boston and uh, Des, watch your back, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of the Alley on the Run show, for listening, for supporting the show, for being so nice and fun and cool. And of course, thank you to now for having so much fun here with us today. Now, a little update. I am excited and humbled to let you know that I have at long last started a Patreon page for the Alley on the Run show. Patreon is a way to support the show, both the content you're already getting here for free and additional content exclusive to Patreon supporters. If you go to patreon.com slash Alley on the Run, you can learn more about what this is, why I'm doing it, and how you can get involved. You can choose to contribute $5, $10, or $25 a month, and in doing so, you'll get additional episodes of the show, which are exclusive to Patreon supporters. You'll get early access to live shows, VIP tickets whenever they're available, whenever we're allowed to have live shows again and all be together and hug, and merchandise. It's coming soon as soon as all these businesses are back up and running and we can make it happen and Patreon supporters will get first dibs at all that good stuff. So if you're interested in supporting the show and supporting the work that I do here, that's patreon.com slash Allie on the run. Biggest thank you to everyone who has already jumped on board and supporting the show. I keep saying support is my favorite word today, I guess, but truly I'm super, super grateful. So thank you to everyone who is a part of that. All right, I think I've talked enough for this week. That's three episodes of the Alley on the Run show this week. I hope you're enjoying the On the Job series. I'm having a blast with it. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Laura Thweet. And of course, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Nell Rojas. Of course, the best way to make sure you don't miss a thing is to subscribe to the show. So if this is your first time listening, if you search for the show every time you want to listen for a new episode, you don't have to do that. Just hit subscribe, whether you're in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever listening app you prefer. Make sure you subscribe and you won't miss a thing. Awesome. Remember, you belong. And thanks for joining me on the run.